So I had a wonderful, pain-free, orgasmic birth. <laughs> Just kidding, I wish. In fact, uh, I was in active labor for 19 hours because I was special like that. Welcome to Commune, I'm Jeff Krasnow, and today you'll be hearing the incredible and deeply personal stories of four mothers and their unique childbirth experiences, from the joys of home birth to the challenges of facing unexpected circumstances. In the first segment, Daniela reminds us of the importance of not only trusting our bodies, but also having the right emotional and physical support. Our second guest, Christina, has a heart-wrenching tale of what it was like to face unexpected complications during the 20-week ultrasound. The third story is from Dr. Jolene, who is bound to make you laugh, cringe, and maybe even shed a tear. And last but not least, my good friend Danielle has an extraordinary story that will challenge your perceptions of the possibilities of labor, joy, and the wisdom of the birthing process. These segments are from my wife Skylar's 21-day course, Empowered Birth, which encourages you to own the power you have to make the request of your partner, your extended family, your wider culture, and yourself for what you want for your pregnancy, labor, and delivery. You can go to onecommune.com slash trial to take the full 21-day empowered birth program. Okay, so without further delay, I present to you Daniela, Christina, Dr. Jolene, and Danielle Laporte with their childbirth stories. So my first birth, I was 25 when I got pregnant. So I was pretty young. And I spent the entire pregnancy reading about parenting. I wanted to figure out how to be a good mother. Um, there is so much amazing research in neuroscience and all this um, information about how the brain develops. And I was really, really interested in that part. So I read a lot about that, but it never occurred to me to read about birth. I think I was raised by my mom who had both her babies at the hospital. Uh, my dad was not allowed in a room. She was all by herself and she did it. And as sad as it sounds to me right now, at the time it just sounded, she told it so matter of fact, that I grew up thinking that birth is something you, is you get pregnant and you go to the hospital and the doctors handle it for you. And that was it. In my third trimester, the doctor was worried that the baby was measuring small, or her belly was measuring small. Her brain was fine, but her belly was small. And they started doing all these ultrasounds and non-stress tests because they were afraid that the placenta wasn't working well. Everything was fine, every ultrasound was fine, every non-stress test was fine. But by the time I was 37 weeks, my OB was like, We've been tr tracking this, we, you are uh, at risk, your pregnancy is risky, we're just gonna pull the baby out. And I also didn't think much about it. I went to the hospital, I was put on Pitocin, 
um, I was on Pitocin for 18 hours. I had decided I was not gonna get an epidural until I was at least four centimeters dilated because I had heard that there's higher chances of C-section if you have an epidural before that. Um, I don't know if that's true or not, but that I read that somewhere. So that was kind of my only goal. But I was on Pitocin contractions for 18 hours and I only dilated two centimeters. I had come with one centimeter dilated already, so I was at three, but no more. So at 18 hours of the most intense Pitocin contraction pain, I decided I was gonna get, uh, I asked for a small dose of an epidural so I could get some rest because this was probably gonna go for days at this rate. Um, the hospital was fairly respectful. They didn't push for anything. They did not push for an epidural before I asked for it. Um, nobody really showed up. I think they came maybe a couple times and they checked and I hadn't dilated enough and then they left. I got the epidural at 18 hours and within 10 minutes, I was at 10 centimeters. So I went from three to 10 magically in 10 minutes. Because after I had my daughter, this was six years ago, I had, I've done so much reading and I am I'm a family photographer. I work mostly postpartum with moms at home with their babies. So I have a lot of experience now connecting with this community and I've learned so much about birth. Um, in retrospect, I think I was so tense, the pain was so intense that I actually tensed my body into not dilating, which is pretty amazing how strong we are <laughs> in a way, but also just really scary that you can, you know, that the, the, they tell you to trust your body, but you need more than that. I think you need support. I think the thing I would have done different was maybe to have a doula if I knew about doulas then because I think that is what I would expect in a doula now, is somebody to can get me out of my head and help me move through the contractions and the pain instead of being like so stuck trying to reject them and locking my body from doing what it's meant to be doing at that time. But my baby was born, the OB was, was great. She did a great job. She brought another OB on board and they, um, helped me, I didn't tear. I left the hospital the next day, I was walking, I was feeling great. There was really no, not a lot of physical trauma. And now six years later, after everything I know, I'm, I'm very excited to, I hired a midwife and I'm gonna have a home birth if everything goes well and um, give it another chance to go through the contractions and the feelings and see how I can flow through them a little better. I am hopefully, if everything goes well, I'm not gonna be on Pitocin, so it's gonna be a different experience. The measuring small from the baby, um, it was nothing. It's just that I think doctors see statistics, right? You're in statistic and there's this charts and, and you measure and if you don't measure in the range that they're seeing then you're titled at risk or like you don't fit in the little box that they have for what a normal birth is. Um, I mean, both my daughter's dad and me 
we don't have bellies and we're thin and she was born really thin and she never really had it like she didn't have like the baby belly and the baby fat she's just a skinny person so she was fine everything was normal she was just really skinny she was a little under six pounds the only kind of birthing learning I did while I was pregnant was taking a class at the hospital and one of the things they talked about is how you know they've made all these changes and they're open to like skin-to-skin uh, -skin contact when the baby's born and all this stuff so I was really excited for that and when the baby was born they opened my gown and they placed her in my chest I don't remember having a specific thought, but just this sense of wonder, like, oh, I did this. Like this whole person is right here and it's all mine. That was beautiful. There's photos, my dad was in the room and he photographed the whole birth. And there's this photo of me just sweating and tired and just so in awe. My biggest advice and my biggest lesson from my first birth was uh, the importance of a doula. Having somebody in the room who is there to advocate for you and to care for your own needs. Um, and they can't be the doctor. The doctor just comes at the very end. And it can't be the nurses because they have kind of like their own system. And it, it's not about taking care of you. It's just about checking the baby and checking the birth and making sure that everything is going well. Um, and for me, it couldn't be my husband because he had no idea. He was very sweet and very loving and very present, but he had no idea what was going on. So hiring a doula, somebody who has experience and somebody who can support you emotionally while you're going through it and help you get out of your head if the pain is too intense for you to be able to do it yourself or help you remember the magic of what is happening in that moment and the beauty that each contraction means and how much closer you are to your baby and how you're expanding and somebody that can help you remember those things and remember to breathe. Um, I think that's really, really valuable and I would have loved to have one. Birth is a short moment in time that marks the transition from you being one person to you being two people and to you having this, I've seen this in many places, so it's not original, but you having your heart outside of yourself, walking around, living life by herself and making choices and um, just hopefully making this world better. With my firstborn, uh, Nova, who's almost five, uh, we had a really uneventful pregnancy in the sense that I was able to continue with normal activities. And aside from a little nausea and food aversions, things flowed fairly smoothly. And I elected to have a home birth as a result of that. And I birthed him at my home in Venice. And it was a dream come true. Uh, it was challenging in the sense that I had back labor. There was definitely a lot of sensation. My doula didn't take her hand off my back for the entire labor. And uh, 
and it went fairly smoothly. Um, and then I got pretty fatigued, not knowing if I could continue with having the home birth because it, at this point it was 24 hours into the birthing marathon. And I looked around and I said, what are my options? When I could have went to the hospital, but I chose um, to stick it out at home because the drive was going to be pretty far and I was deep in labor at that point. So I ended up getting a really relaxing position and my midwife put a rebozo, which is just a cloth she made around my hips and it helped take the pressure off my back, but it also allowed me to take a rest. And in that rest, I put on my hypnobirthin and uh, when I woke up from a 30 minute nap, the music was playing and I just woke up with my eyes like wide and smiling and uh, Bob Marley was on and I was just swaying and dancing and, uh, and it really shifted the gears in my labor and delivery with my son and that carried me through until I delivered him. I delivered him right by my bed and uh, in a squat position and I had the assistance of the doula, my midwife, and my beloved. And when my son came out, I didn't know how to hold him. He was squishy and wet, and it was my first interaction with him, and I just didn't want to mess it up. But I told him that I'm so proud of him. And uh, the song that was playing was A Kiss to Build a Dream On. And then, and then Jack Johnson came on, Better Together. And at that moment, we were already laying in my bed next, uh, next to where I had just delivered him. And it was just this sweet moment of cuddling and just seeing him for the first time. And uh, yeah, it was precious. So I took a hypnobirthing class from a woman named Judita Torrenta in the Joy of Birthing here in Los Angeles. And her method was that she walked me through a visualization. Um, so you're walking on the beach, you're starting to see these colors, these things appear. And she recommended that we do this visualization every night before bed. So I listened to a recording and it really didn't have a lot to do with the birth and but it, it put my myself in a relaxed state and every night i'd put it on before bed about three months before delivering and i would fall asleep within two minutes of it and i'm thinking how is this ever going to work and it's just all getting programmed so it was really just a relaxing meditation and visualization i think the thing that was nice to know in, in hindsight moving forward was that uh, labor can be incredibly long and it's a marathon. So if you can rest those days leading up to when you think you're going to deliver as much as humanly possible and train yourself as if you're preparing for a marathon or even a triathlon, you know, with your diet, your exercise, your breath, um, as much as you can get into the best physical shape before you give birth, I think the, the better chances of having a smooth outcome um, would be, or just preparing for the long haul that is that can be labor. In my second pregnancy, I carried a baby, went to the 12-week ultrasound, everything looked great, um, baby was healthy and thriving. He was a boy. I took my son with me to this appointment. We're all super excited, we're having a baby. And then the 20-week ultrasound came, and actually, I didn't know he was a boy yet. We went, I took my son with me. I brought an envelope and a pen and a piece of paper. And I told my OB, just tell me what the sex is because I couldn't wait to go home and you know have this surprise with my beloved. 
And we start looking at all the images and because I had such a successful first pregnancy and I hadn't heard any stories of anyone close to me or, or even on the internet who had complications, I just assumed the 20 week ultrasound was, you know, we're going to find out the sex and see our baby one more time. Awesome. And I ended up getting, um, news that the baby, um, ended up it, the, 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 those scans are really to check the anatomy of the baby and how things have developed. And I found out that my baby ended up having um, some major complications that I w wasn't going to be able to carry him to life. And if I did choose to carry him to life, the chance of him making it past um, the pregnancy or throughout the pregnancy and then life beyond was slim to none. So um, I was completely distraught when I got that information. It was um, it was too overwhelming to even process and I was sent home with information and immediately fast-tracked to having to make some big decisions in a short amount of time because the option were to do the, was to do the testing, the amniocentesis, go to genetic counseling, and then uh, to move forward with a possible abortion. But we have to do abortions by law before, 20, I think, 23 weeks, somewhere in there. So it was a tight time. So I, um, for two weeks, had the baby um, living inside me, knowing that we would go forward with the abortion. So I made it a really sacred time. Um, I went to women's circles and we did a lot of uh, meditation, prayer, ceremony, and rituals to lift the spirit and just kind of um, also to be around sisters who would help me to move forward with making a really tough decision. And uh, when it came time to go forward with the abortion, I went to UCLA and they had a wonderful clinic there that was really supportive. They call it a therapeutic abortion and it's a three day process. And, um, throughout it, I was given Reiki and I was given essential oils. I had my crystals on me and I had my beloved with me and my headphones and music the whole time to just kind of help me ease through the process. And it was tough. It was really tough to to go home with that news from that ultrasound, hoping that maybe the baby would miraculously make a turnaround, but also knowing that the baby wasn't going to make any moves, that I had to make the, the move and make the call. So that was tough because my son also knew he was expecting a sibling. So we went through the mourning process as a family together. And uh, in a way it did bring us closest closer together and we got to have some really important conversations with our son. Um, so as sad as it was, it also ended up being a really beautiful experience of loss and letting go and, and, um, and, uh, going through grieving for the first time in my life to, to grieve and, uh, and see what that process is like. And, and if anything, it just showed me that I, I knew from that moment, I want to have another baby. I want a child, another child. So I feel really blessed to, um, be carrying one again. And the thing I tell all moms from that experience now is that no matter how long you get to carry a baby, it's a miracle and a gift. And if you get to hold them in your arms at the end of it, even better, but it's a sacred gift to be able to carry life in our womb. So.
So I had a wonderful, pain-free, orgasmic birth. <laughs> Just kidding, I wish. In fact, uh, I was in active labor for 19 hours because I was special like that. So I actually went into labor the day before the winter solstice. This is 2012, so the Mayan apocalypse was supposed to be upon us and I hadn't had a baby yet. So I went into labor after eating a lot of salsa, a lot of cheese, and a lot of apples. All the things I was craving, which by the way, if you want to know if it's a good idea to binge eat anything before you go into labor, it's not. <laughs> and I found that one out the hard way. So I went into labor. Thankfully, my mother-in-law was there. She's super supportive. But what you need to know is that my mother-in-law is also very religious, and I don't think she's ever cussed once in her life. Now, when it comes to birth, I have this saying where like all bets are off. You make all your plans and just plan on doing none of those because really so much is out of your control. So I wanna preface this because there will be a little bit of profanity. There was a lot more profanity, by the way, while I was birthing. So I had a home birth, but I also had a backup hospital, just in the event that if anything went wrong, and that was part of my interview series with my midwives, that I ensured that I would be transferred. Now I'm like super A-type, 3000, so I also went through neonatal resuscitation training and got certified in this before I had my baby. Um, yeah, just a little bit of A-type there. So I spent 19 hours in active labor as I was talking, or as I said prior. And with that, I would say that probably a good 18 hours out of the total 24 hours I birthed were spent on my hands and knees. Now, I find this kind of hilarious because I had no idea that I'd be crawling around on my hands and knees and that would be the only way that I was comfortable. I also had a birth tub which I thought, I just had these ideas and I thought this is gonna be incredible. My baby's gonna come out in the water and I'm gonna catch him. Only every time I got into that tub, my contractions would slow down. So I couldn't stay there for long because baby's heart started having issues. There was really just too many complications that could have arose. But there was this moment where I was in the birth tub laying there and I was in between contractions. Now, mind you, I had naturopathic doctors who are also certified midwives and there were four of them, plus myself in the room, my mother-in-law and my husband, which I got really bitter at everybody when they would sleep. Now, I totally get it. My logical self is like, I get that they sleep, but it really pissed me off. So here I am in the birth tub and I say to everybody, do you guys remember that movie, The Business of Being Born? And everybody, of course, is like, oh, it's so beautiful. It's so wonderful. And then the contraction came. And what came out of my mouth next, I think my mother, I wish my mother-in-law's face was captured because it said everything. And what I said is, fuck Ricky Lake and fuck all of that. This is not what this is like and that movie misled me. <laughs> And the funny thing now is that I'm actually in one of Ricky Lake's documentaries and I told her and her partner, Abby Epstein, this story just very recently of how I cussed their names during childbirth. Now, I know that there are lots of women out there that have these beautiful birth stories and I feel like, yes, it was beautiful, but it was also real and raw. However, while I was birthing, I now in retrospect have come to understand that I was giving away a lot of my power. 
I was thinking I needed to be Zen. So I had done these yoga birth trainings and I was like, follow your breath and every single like pressure point and everything that we learned, my husband couldn't touch me. In fact, no one could touch me, talk to me, look at me, have lights on, nothing. I had to be in complete sensory deprivation during this, which I think was actually really beautiful because I came to this understanding that it was just me and my baby. And in fact, like this was part of my rite of passage to walk through that birth door and I had to do it alone. But as much as that sounds beautiful, <laughs> I want you to understand that there were a lot of negotiations happening through this as well. So between vomiting and contractions, because by the way, you shouldn't eat that much food before you go into labor, I would find myself laboring and negotiating with my husband. There was actually one point when I said to him, just cut the baby out, you can keep him, I'll bleed out over here and be dead, I'm fine with that, just take the freaking baby. Like, I don't even want the baby. Um, which of course is like silly. I'm like, this is the kind of stuff that like nobody's supposed to admit out loud, but I'm admitting it here. Like, I totally had these negotiations. There was also a point where I constructed a birth plan in that I was gonna escape. So my plan was, is I told my husband, just open up the back door, I will run out, you pull the car into the backyard, I will just dive into the back, we'll be gone before the midwives know it, and we can be at the hospital and they can cut this thing out of me. <laughs> this is like how some home births go, right? So what I say, like when I was giving away my power, I was trying to be very zen, and I was doing this thing that like all of us do some point in medicine, which is be that good girl. Follow the rules, do what you're told. Try to be Zen and breathe and visualize your cervix opening like a lotus flower. Sure, sure, sure. Okay, so I'm doing all of that, except that the anterior lip of my cervix is not dilating. So I'm fully dilated. We've got an os here. So that's the opening of the cervix. <laughs> it's like really tiny, yet a human actually comes out of that. And the anterior part, so the part towards my belly button was actually flat, like a flap was laying over it. So I'm a worst case scenario person. And what I said to my midwives was, okay, worst case scenario, what happens if I just push through this? Yeah, so your uterus could actually rupture and you could bleed out and die. Okay, well that's, that's not gonna happen, we can't do that. They get me on a birth ball, they get me in the bathroom and I'm laboring there on the toilet. It's super sexy like that, birth is so sexy. Um, and I'm laboring, laying on the toilet and I finally turned to my husband and I said, fuck this, we're doing it my way. And I walked out of the bathroom, went into the living room, put my elbows up on the couch and was on all fours and said, this is how he's coming out. My midwives were like, we've never delivered a baby like this. And mind you, they're, they're doctors and midwives, but they're like, we've never delivered a baby like this. And they say to me, okay, like, you know, we would really be comfortable if you're in this position, that position. And I said, no, this is what we're gonna do. You make sure that I don't tear, that's your number one job. Midwife says, no, actually my job is to make sure that the baby comes out. No, that's my job. My job is to make sure that the baby comes out and your job is to make sure that my vagina is not shredded when he does. That's your job. You're gonna reach in and you're gonna grab that anterior lip of my cervix and you're going to pull it down. Then I'm gonna push past it. In that moment, I hear my husband say, now that's my wife. <laughs> 10 minutes later, there's my baby. But here's what happens next. On his way out, the cord breaks, and I had orchestrated a beautiful birth playlist. By the way, this is like six and a half years later, and I'm only now able to listen to Jack Johnson without wanting to kill him.
So there's that. Be, be careful what you choose. Um, but at this time, my son comes out, his cord breaks, and I'm bleeding, he's bleeding. I grab his cord and my cord and hold it, and my midwives say, listen to this beautiful song. It's Iron and Wine's Naked As They Came. Like, how prolific is that? That's the song he's born to. And they're like, it's sunset of the Mayan apocalypse. Which, by the way, my son is your savior. Yes, that's true. And I yell to them, grab the hemostat. So they clamp right away. By the way, they're not bad, okay? And this is like very benign in terms of what happens in births. But they clamp him up. And they clamp him. They clamp me. So you've got to clamp both cords so nobody's bleeding out there. And I hear my midwife say, or excuse me, I hear my mother-in-law say, he's floppy. I yell to her, Kathy, floppy babies don't cry. Because <laughs> I had just gone through neonatal resuscitation. But he was a little bit of dusty blue. And immediately, you know, when I turned over, I was birthing my placenta. I looked right at him. And I, I mean, the first thing out of my mouth is like, I absolutely love you. Like, I'm so in love with you. And it was this amazing moment to be able to hold my son and, and go through all of this. And once the placenta came out, um, by the way, I encapsulated my placenta. I kept it. So I was like, somebody put that on ice. Get that preserved. I got a lady coming to the house. And I then said to the midwives, did I tear? And she's like, well, we first have to. I'm like, no, your job was to make sure did I tear? Did I tear? And I didn't. And that was like the biggest win of the only thing I felt like I can control in all of this. So that's my beautiful birth story, which I think is like so much of what life is, is it's messy, it's unexpected, but it also taught me very much that you never should give away your power in any situation. And that really wasn't until the moment when I said, we're doing this, we're doing this my way, and I know how this is going to work, that my son was born 10 minutes later. After having 24 hours of labor, I really regret not having learned that lesson a little bit sooner, but I'm pretty sure whoever's listening to this right now has plenty of their own stories where they regret not learning lessons a little bit sooner. I just happen to like to learn things the hard way. I gave birth to my son at home. I went into labor at five in the morning. Um, we bought a kiddie pool, a blow up kiddie pool for $39.95 at the hardware store. We had a hose that ran from our bathroom into the living room, into this pool, filled it with warm water. We would, every couple hours, we would scoop out a bucket of water and then we would pour in a bucket of hot water. At one point, the midwife said to me, you're too relaxed, you're gonna have to get out of the pool. And I thought, I'm too relaxed? Are you fucking kidding me? Um, I wanted a certain chant playing. I wanted lavender oil. I wanted a particular kind of incense. None of that mattered. I forgot about all of it. My mom was there. My baby daddy was there. I'm blessed to live in a country where midwifery is part of our healthcare plan. So when I was eight centimeters dilated, a second midwife showed up and an intern. Basically, when you're ready to push, the whole neighborhood comes to your house. For pain management, I remember the midwife giving me the option to do six small um, 
quick little injections of water in the base of my spine. And I think she was just fucking with me because it just felt like six hornets torturing me and it didn't relieve my pain at all. At one point during a contraction, my moaning kind of turned into this scream. And afterwards, very wise, very experienced midwife said to me, she was super calm and non-judgy about it. And she said, Danielle, just a question. Did that help? And I was like, that didn't help at all. She said, how about next time you don't do that? And that was all I needed to hear to know that what I needed to do was to stay on top of each contraction. You know, every contraction comes and you can feel it build and it's building and it's building and it's building. It's like a wave and you want to stay over it. If you get under it, you actually get into that screamy, slightly panicky place and you're afraid it's going to take you under and the pain and ah, but you know what? Just ride it like it's a wave. You have the power to stay on top. I learned so much. I got so prepared for birth through the teachings of Ina May Gaskin. All hail the wisdom of Ina May and her, her language, her whole lexicon of birth. It's different than what is used in conventional birth settings in hospitals. So Ina May refers to contractions as rushes. And at first I thought, I mean, even I thought that was like way out new agey cheesy, but it helped me hold this image of just opening up that my body wasn't constricting. I mean, the last thing you want to think about is your vagina contracting. You need to, you're letting the world out of your body. You're letting life out of your body. And it's a rush. I just prayed with, my child. I didn't know if I was going to have a girl or a boy, but I knew it was a boy. And I didn't want to find out because I think the gender of your child is one of the only guaranteed surprises in life. And I just prayed with him for openness. I prayed with him in advance for teamwork. And then just on the day, I just... Your child is, your child works with you. You're not the only one bringing that baby out. You know, one thing that happened for me and I know happens with so many mothers is, you know, that little being comes in, in this little suitcase called a body. And you know, with every cell of your being that they know what they need to live it. They're implicitly wise and you need to trust your child's wisdom in the birthing process. They're not, um, they're not leaning on you for everything. They're in it with you. Um, there was nothing that I would change. There was not much I would change about my delivery process. Um, I ate during labor. This is one thing they will tell you in the hospitals not to do, but my mom made soup. Uh, someone cut up oranges for me and kept them in the fridge. Cold oranges were like heaven. I had a few bites of sandwiches. 
Yeah, I really needed that nourishment. Lavender oil. Oh, essential. Laughter was essential. You know why? I consider myself a superhero for pushing my baby out in my living room was I kept my sense of humor the whole time. So I'm really sensitive and mindful when I share my birth story with other women who have had births that weren't their dream scenarios. I mean, we really, there's so much we cannot control. The reason I'm sensitive about it is because I was... Um, I was blessed enough to have an incredible birth. So the way that I use my birth story now to serve, well, I just think there's power in hearing each other's stories, but also to let you know that ecstasy during labor, it's really possible. I was, you know, towards the end, my child, the baby crowned, you do go through the ring of fire and you will know why it's called the ring of fire. And then we all know that point. I hope we all know that point where, so now I'm going to talk about sex for a minute. You know, it's just like when you are, when you're cresting on the wave of an orgasm and you head into that point of no return and you are definitely on your way. That happens sometimes for some of us with birth. And there was a point where I just had the full rush and I had an orgasmic birth. My body just took over. There was nothing left for me to do. And bliss. I mean, look at me. It's it's beyond words. So yeah, we're all going to weave together our visions of an ideal, sacred, powerful, healthy birth from each other's stories. And if that helps you just take that strand and know that bliss is entirely possible. Other potentially useful things that I tell all my girlfriends about birth. We need to talk about the pussy popsicles. Get a big maxi pad sanitary napkin, soak it in chamomile tea. If uh, sometimes you can find in health food stores, um, I don't know what it's called, vagina tea. It's for after birthing, it's for healing wounds. Soak it in that tea, uh, drain it a bit, wrap it in plastic wrap, put it in Ziploc bags, put it in your freezer. You'll be thinking, there is no way I'm gonna let this popsicle touch my vagina. After you give birth, you're going to put that bad boy on. It's going to steam and it is like heaven. Do it. The first bowel movement. I cannot believe I'm saying this. The first bowel movement you have after you give birth. It is like pushing an asteroid out your ass. But you can do it and you will stay intact. One of my favorite memories of the birth of my son was afterwards. So we'd covered the whole living room um, in plastic tarps and then put warm sheets and blankets on top of those. I'd actually given birth to my son on the futon in his bedroom. So I got out of the tub because the midwife said I was too relaxed. 
At that point, the contractions were coming just wave after wave. I had one arm around one friend, another arm around another. I would take one step. I would have a contraction. Another step, another contraction. I made it into the bedroom. You know, I had been to all the prenatal yoga classes. I thought I was going to give birth on all fours, one leg wrapped around my head. I was going to do some birth asana. Mm -mm. Old school style, on my back, just like a stranded turtle. And that is what felt most natural and powerful for me. But favorite memory... Just all naked and gluey and bloody and a little bit stitched up with my baby on my chest and the midwives giving me a high five, leaving the living room, butter pecan ice cream and my mom there and my then husband and I had nowhere to go. I was home. We were, we were all home together. What a beautiful way to close out the stories of these experiences. I hope you will find these unique and personal stories helpful and supportive, no matter what your personal tale of pregnancy, labor, and childbirth may or may not look like. I'm Jeff Krasnow, and that's all from the commune for today. <laughs>